0: UNYV Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock.
1: Good morning. This is Northern Light for Monday, January 22nd. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. North Country Congresswoman Elise Stefanik campaigned with former President Donald Trump in New Hampshire over the weekend, ahead of the primaries tomorrow. Many think Trump is considering her for a running mate.
2: I'm sure she's on his short list. I don't see how it could hurt this district. You know, she could bring attention at a higher level to the North Country
0: and the needs it needs. Environmental advocates are pushing the state legislature to pass a bill this year to cut plastic packaging by 50%. They want to include that they want to... They want that to include more than just residential recycling.
3: Things like pouches and tubes and films, those are harder to recycle. And that's where advanced recycling complements mechanical recycling by enabling us to take those plastics, take them back down to their basic chemical components and rebuild them into new
4: molecules again.
1: Also, the state park system is celebrating its 100th birthday this
4: year. When you think about it, all the best places in New York are state parks. There's not much of a federal presence. There's no national parks. It's because New York, by and large, made those into state parks before the federal government was even in this business.
1: We'll hear more about the Centennial Challenge coming up.
0: Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Adirondack Experience, the museum on Blue Mountain Lake, hosting ADKX Winter Fun Day on Monday, February 19th, featuring indoor and outdoor activities. Details at the ADKX.org. And by Apothecary Chocolates, making gourmet chocolates by hand from all-natural herbs, botanicals, and tree syrups, apothecarychocolates.com.
5: This is
1: Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandresky.
0: And I'm Todd Moe. North Country Congresswoman Elise Stefanik joined former President Donald Trump at campaign events in New Hampshire over the weekend in the lead-up to the state's presidential primaries tomorrow. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dropped out of the presidential race Sunday and endorsed Trump. And that leaves former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley as the only Republican alternative.
1: Stefanik joined Trump at a rally Friday night in Concord. She also spoke at a Trump campaign event in Manchester Saturday and helped get out the vote. Multiple national news outlets are reporting that Trump may be considering Stefanik as a vice presidential running mate, including NBC, CNN, Fox, and CBS. Here in the North Country, some of her fellow Republicans in the 21st District are ambivalent about her growing prominence in the Veeb Stakes. WAMC's Pat Bradley reports.
6: Elected as a young moderate voice in the party, Stefanik's lurch to the MAGA wing has inspired growing speculation that she is among Trump's top picks for a running mate should he secure the nomination. Clinton County Republican Party Chair Jerica Manning is excited to see it.
1: Congressman Stefanik has done an excellent job in the 21st Congressional District of keeping a loyal base. And I think that even though that has an advantage, I'm sure that there are hundreds of other you know possibilities and scenarios that President Trump would be considering and that the congressman would be considering. I'm confident if Congressman Stefanik were to take a position in D.C. or a different position in a cabinet, that she would support and, and have a plan forward for the 21st Congressional District if and when she makes that
6: decision. Essex County Board of Supervisors Chair Sean Gilliland called Stefanik, quote, a stalwart advocate for the North Country, unquote, in an endorsement released in 2022 by Stefanik's campaign. The Republican says Stefanik has not spoken to him about the speculation, but he thinks it's within the realm of possibility.
2: You know, the only thing that we have been doing is just kind of You know, speculating as to uh, if she does leave the uh, seat in Congress, how and who would we get another representative?
6: Town of Mariah Supervisor Matthew Brassard, a Republican, says the chatter could lead to positive press for the district.
2: I don't see how it could hurt this district. Um, Maybe, you know, she could bring attention at a higher level to the, you know, the North Country and the needs it needs. Um... But I'm, I'm sure she's on his shortlist. There's no doubt she's, you know, she's been a, a big supporter of his through everything. So I'm sure she is definitely on his short list of potential VP candidates.
6: Gilliland says if Stefanik is on the ticket with Trump, it would not have much direct impact on the 21st district.
2: As far as her becoming the vice president, I don't really see that that position could have much of an impact. On us, And, of course, if she became a member of the cabinet or something, unless she was uh, selected at Homeland Security or something like that, I think the interaction with the 21st District would be uh, minimal at best.
6: So, Sean, you're a Republican. Would you mm-hmm. be excited? Do you want to see her as a vice presidential candidate?
2: <laughs> um, um, I'm going to say no comment on that.
6: Do you support former President Trump?
2: No. I think I'm in part of the 10 to 20 percent registered Republicans who are moderates.
6: When asked if he wanted to see Stefanik on the ticket with Trump, Brassard was conflicted about the possibility.
2: Honestly, I, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm not sold on ex-President Trump. There's definitely some policy things that he did that I agree with 100%. um, But I I think that Republican Party-wise, I think there's uh, some better candidates out there this year that I feel that probably can win the general election rather easy.
6: Stefanik has said she would be honored to serve in a second Trump administration. She defended Trump during his impeachments and joined his efforts to oppose certification of the 2020 election in which President Biden defeated Trump. That's WAMC's
1: Pat Bradley reporting for the New York Public News Network.
0: Environmental groups in New York say a top priority this year will be passing a plastics reduction law that would reduce plastic packaging by 50% over the next decade and help combat climate change. It faces fierce opposition from the plastics industry. Karen DeWitt reports.
7: The bill would cut the amount of plastic packaging and consumer products in half over a period of 12 years and step up recycling efforts. It would also ban a form of plastics recycling known as chemical recycling. It heats the plastic waste to a high temperature and converts it into a form of fossil fuel. Vanessa fagens turner with Environmental Advocate, says without the law, municipalities across the state will have to pay increasing sums of money to cart away all of the plastic we can't recycle our way out of this problem that we see growing around us every day because only six percent of plastic actually gets recycled that means 94 percent of the plastic we think we're recycling actually ends up in landfills across new york and new jersey and beyond the only way forward is to reduce how much plastic we use. Last year, a similar bill failed to pass either house of the legislature. Senate sponsor Peter Harkum says the measure was approved by the Environmental Conservation Committee, which he chairs. But he says the legislation, which combined two previous bills, came together too late in the session to gain enough momentum to make it to the floor for a vote.
3: I'm much more optimistic now. Um, Given that, that we have a full year, hopefully the budget will not be delayed uh, as it was last year. We, we lost four weeks of, of legislative time because we're focused on the budget. So we've got a full year. We've got a clean slate. Um, and, and people now are aware of what's in the combined bill. Uh, and we're, we're optimistic about its chances this year.
7: Judith Enk, a former regional administrator of the EPA, who now heads Bennington Colleges Beyond Plastics, says in 2024, supporters will work to make sure that the powerful plastics industry does not succeed in weakening the bill or creating loopholes that would undermine the measure. She predicts it will be one of the most spirited discussions at the Capitol this year. This is David versus Goliath. On
1: steroids.
7: Craig Cookson heads up the Plastic Sustainability Office at the American Chemistry Council. He's lobbying to make changes to the bill. He says his group is not against having a plastic packaging reduction law in New York though.
3: We believe that it could have a positive impact on reducing waste, recovering more plastics instead of sending them to landfills and incinerators um, as well as other materials, and then getting those plastics and other materials back into Uh, Recycle content in our future packaging and products.
7: But he says chemical recycling, which the industry calls advanced recycling, needs to be part of the plan. Cookson says while it's easier to recycle bottles and cans, other plastic products are more challenging.
3: Things like pouches and tubes and films, those are harder to recycle. And that's where advanced recycling complements mechanical recycling by enabling us to take those plastics, take them back down to their basic chemical components and rebuild them into new molecules again. So we would like to see, to make sure that advanced recycling counts as recycling in New York and would count for any sort of new recycled content coming back into the state.
7: Cookson says the final version of a plastic packaging reduction bill needs the backing of industry stakeholders, including plastics manufacturers, recyclers, and other related businesses like waste hauling companies in order for it to work. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network.
0: to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's 11 minutes past eight. Good morning, I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandresky. Just ahead, Paul Smith's College is one of just a handful of schools nationwide that teaches students how to train work horses. We'll pay a visit to the horse barn at the Vic coming up in just a few minutes right here on Northern Light.
0: Music by the group You bred Raptors out of Hofmeister, New York. Northern Light is supported by Village Mercantile in Saranac Lake, established in 2011 with a mission of community-fueled solutions with products for home, camp, and gift-giving. Villagemerc.com, anything but general.
1: Key patrollers at Titus Mountain in Franklin County gathered at closing yesterday to do a last radio call for one of their own who died while on duty last week. 68-year-old Rick Finch of Malone died Thursday in an accident on the main chairlift, according to state police. Ski patrollers provide medical response at downhill ski mountains. Fellow patrol members, mountain staff, and Malone EMS responded to the scene where Finch was pronounced dead. An investigation is underway. He's survived by his wife, Sherry, two children, and five grandchildren.
0: Two men have pleaded guilty to a fatal stabbing in Osceola Chasm almost a year ago. Michael Rougeau and Michael Nastasia, both of Plattsburgh, pleaded guilty last Wednesday to manslaughter for the killing of 37 year old Kenneth dara last march this comes after the two were initially charged and indicted with second degree murder and other crimes according to the adirondack daily enterprise their charges were reduced to manslaughter in the condition that they reveal their motives a request from the family the defendants will serve over 20 years in prison with an additional five years of supervision after release
1: Today is the first day of construction for this year's Saranac Lake Ice Palace. Volunteers have already been clearing snow off Lake Flower to help grow more ice. Now they'll start cutting, moving, and placing the ice blocks to construct the palace, uh, palace near the Lake Flower Boat Launch. The Ice Palace is an annual tradition in Saranac Lake, built entirely by volunteers in preparation for the Winter Carnival. Construction is expected to continue until the carnival begins next Friday, February 2nd. It runs for 10 days. Until Sunday, February 11th.
0: This year marks the 100th anniversary of New York's state park system. It's made up of more than 250 state parks, historical sites, and recreational trails and serves almost 80 million people per year. To celebrate, the state is encouraging New Yorkers to explore. Adventure and learn about the history of state parks through the Centennial Challenge. It includes 100 missions that can only be completed at state parks and historic sites. Those who complete 24 out of the 100 missions will earn a commemorative sticker and be entered into a prize drawing for a three-year Empire Pass, which waives day use and parking fees at all state parks. Amy Fyreisel spoke with Commissioner Eric Kulisade from the New York State Office of Parks, Recreation, and Historic Preservation.
4: I think I have the best job in state government because I get to steward what are really New York's greatest natural landscapes, um, our state parks. And New York got into the park business really before almost any other state in the country. So... You see it was New York was a leader in the parks movement in fact you know the oldest state park in the country is Niagara Falls which dates back to the 1880s and it was in the 1880s also that the Adirondacks were set aside as a forever wild preserve so New York was you know, as an early industrializing state it saw the, uh, the the effects of development and said oh boy we've got to we got to set some of these places aside before they become commercialized or industrialized so When you think about it, all the best places in New York are state parks. There's not much of a federal presence. There's no national parks. It's because New York, by and large, made those into state parks uh, before the federal government was even in this business.
5: So can you explain for the average listener what the centennial challenge is, you know, and how people can can um, participate?
4: We're sort of um, defined or, or identified a hundred challenges that people can do in honor of the centennial, and we're asking people to complete twenty four missions out of those hundreds. You know, one of the sample things is, hey, go camping at one of our eighty five hundred campsites, or you know, go visit a park that you've never been to before and bring a picnic, join a volunteer event. You are know, all kinds of things just to make people just think about the park system and maybe ask questions and have new experiences that they they haven't had before.
5: And what do you hope that people will get out of those experiences?
4: I think there's a risk sometimes that people take our park system for granted. And I think that the point here is to make have people look at the, at the park system with new appreciation. You know, we've invested a lot. There's been a transformation in our parks. Maybe people haven't been to a park in a while to come back and see how we've upgraded and become really and really be, and, and restored ourselves and become a whole different quality experience than we were 20 years ago. So I think the, the, the goal is to get people into the parks, get them enjoying them, and then you know, a few lucky few will, will get some prizes for having turned in their winning sheet and, and, uh, and maybe getting an Empire State Pass which is our free parking pass valid across the state.
1: That was Eric Coulissade from the New York State uh, Office of Parks, Recreation and Historic Preservation. He was speaking with Amy Feireisel about the state park system and 2024 Centennial Challenge. You can find more information at ncbr.org. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, you're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Mo,
1: And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll learn about draft horses and go for a sleigh ride here on Northern Light. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note uh, to keep an eye out for bohemian wax wings to watch for in, uh, in orchards around New York State. That's coming up uh, after the show at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us.
0: Partly to mostly cloudy skies in the forecast for much of our region today and some light snow showers. Mainly this afternoon, southwest winds 5 to 15 miles per hour. Highs today near 30. Uh, Overnight lows tonight around 20 with a slight chance of some continued snow showers on and off. Tomorrow, morning snow showers possible. A high again, upper 20s, low 30s on Tuesday. Wednesday, milder. Highs in the 30s and then rain likely on Thursday and maybe again on Friday with highs near 40 on Thursday and highs in the 40s on Friday. Right now, partly cloudy skies, 23 degrees in Canton.
1: Draft horses have a long history in the Adirondacks. These are horses that are bred to do work like plowing, driving, or logging. Much of that work has been replaced by machines today. Paul Smith's College is one of just a handful of schools in the country that teach students how to work with draft horses. Todd and I paid a visit late last winter to the horse barn there. The horse barn at Paul Smith's is a low-slung log cabin.
5: Um, out back here.
1: Camille Goppels is uh, the uh, barn so manager at Paul Smith's and, and shows back. us around. There's that. a split we're barn close. door at the back. Close that. Old horse shoes are nailed up on the wall. And...
5: This is a bucket of horse hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo. This is... <laughs> It's here. Um, We're going to use it to help insulate the barn. So in between the logs here, you take hair and either twist it up with twine or with mud or whatever mixture it might be. And you can stick it in between the logs and it works for insulation. So that's why we have a bucket of horse hair here.
1: (laughs) It's a late winter afternoon as Todd, Camille, and I come upon two light brown halflinger ponies. They have pink noses and long eyelashes.
5: Now, who do we have here? All right, um,
1: Camille introduces us to the mayor.
5: Dana is seventeen years old. Um, she's just under a thousand pounds, and um, she's kind of the rock of our situation. She's definitely the leader of these two.
1: Then she points to the gelding,
5: um, and then we have Dodge, who is fourteen years old. He's a little over a thousand pounds, so he's a little bit taller. Why are their tails braided? um that's just for a little wow factor i like to think that it makes them feel pretty (laughs) and then whenever we have people on the sleigh they always like to make comments about it so that's just one of the parts of like my past as a showman is like i gotta decorate them i want them to look nice i want them to perform well so
1: camille trained work horses in 4-h as a kid in indiana now camille is a year into teaching the draft horse management course here
5: being ponies they're a little bit more spunky, so. They definitely uh, can be a little bit more fiery in the pasture, even sometimes when we're working, but they've definitely gotten used to their jobs, and that kind of shows, like, the draft part of them, so they're a good balance.
0: Uh, Oh, somebody's ready.
1: Todd approaches the rear side of Dodge. Camille and her student Spencer Van Ness start to ready the horses. Spencer is vice president of the school's draft horse club.
2: So this is our harness. Um, I'm just picking
4: it up off of... Off of where it's hung right now, and then I'm going to bring it on over to Dana and toss it up on her.
1: Toss it up on her because we are going on a sleigh ride. Every year, the Draft Horse Barn offers community rides. And just like many of us are squeezing in a final snowshoe of the season, Todd and I want to get in on one of the last sleigh rides.
5: The lines first.
1: Spencer and Camille hook up Dana and Dodge to the wooden sleigh waiting outside. Ooh
5: they're on it today
1: todd and i climb up and settle in on the wooden benches
5: okay all right we all good all right easy now
1: we set off across the road and onto the wooded path with camille and me in the front and todd and spencer in the back
5: do you talk to the
4: horses i talk to horses yeah
2: Mm
4: -hmm. yeah when i'm just standing with them they'll they looking around. It's, it's nice to talk to them. They listen. They're good listeners. They don't really say much back sometimes. But.
1: The snow-covered path is clear ahead of us. A forest of hemlocks and sugar maples extends on either side. There's a light snow
6: falling.
5: How would you describe what you're we're seeing right now? Out of a fairy tale, like a storybook.
0: Yeah, Narnia. Yeah. Would you say Todd? <laughs> Narnia.
1: Todd zips up his blue parka and pulls his wool hat over his
0: ears. Where's Mr. Tumblis? <laughs>
1: Camille says draft horses like Dana and Dodge have a lot of potential for sustainable industry in the Adirondacks. Where big four-wheeled logging skitters tear up soil, horses are easy on the land.
5: You also don't have to worry about spilling oil or gas or hydraulic fluid, right? Anything that comes out of the horses can go back into the ground and it'll ultimately help regrowth. Um... So when we were thinking about like the Adirondack Park or different national parks, right, those restricted spaces that don't allow for mechanization, draft horse power is really effective in those, in those ways.
1: Camille says she only knows of one production logger in the Adirondacks that uses draft horses, that's Reba Rock Farm in Willsboro, but she's hopeful that changes as more students join the draft horse program. Camille wants Paul Smith students to learn how to use a horse for work and also how to develop empathy for an animal
5: not just a piece of machinery, but these are animals, thousand pound creatures that, you know, I work with every single day that I interact with, that I care for, and I like to think that they ultimately care for me, right, and that they try and give back by doing good work, and um, it's just incredible to see, and then obviously, all of the reactions when you go down the road or when kids come by and get so excited, that just really keeps you into it, too, because it's just so cute.
6: You see? cool
1: Along the way, two cross-country skiers with a dog sidestep off the trail. Excuse
5: us. We're just going to come straight ahead of you.
1: They look at Dana
5: and Dodge and call out, have a good ride. Thank you. Enjoy your ski. Thank you. <laughs>
0: it's just fun to sit here and think about, you know the woods and experience it in a different way it's as i said before it's a bit like cross-country skiing without the effort (laughs) it's nice
1: it's that meditative mood of skiing until dodge eliminates some of the rice bran and beet pulp pellets he ate earlier smell those what are they called horses apples
0: horse apples yes
1: yeah is that right Our ride goes on. I do my Mr. Ed impression. Todd shares a story of his grandmother plowing fields with a horse.
0: I've got this perpetual smile on my face.
1: (laughs) So do all of us. Camille is hopeful there is a resurgence of workhorse farming afoot as more of her young students reflect on their family history.
5: So I see a lot of students who come in and have those kind of stories, like my grandpa had a farm or he used to use horses for this and they kind of want to reconnect with that.
1: Our conversations slowly fade. Dana and Dodge steadily clip-clop, clip-clop through the woods. The sleigh's runners glide along. The golden hour sun peaks through the snow-laden branches. We take in the beauty of the ride home. Monica Sandresky, North Country Public Radio. Paul Smith's.
0: This story first aired in 2023. Well, we caught one of the last sleigh rides of 2023. The sleigh rides are just starting up this winter. The Paul Smith's Vic is offering them on Saturday afternoons starting this week. And you can find out more at paulsmithsvic.org. Time now is coming up on 27 Minutes Past 8. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio.
2: (music) ¶¶
0: Paul Smith's Vic is also sponsoring a full moon night hike coming up this Friday, January 26th from 6.30 to 8. That's also being held at the Paul Smith's Vic. Check out more information at paulsmithsvic.org. That's it for Northern Light for this Monday morning.
1: Morning edition continues in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Coming up, we'll uh, hear about a record breaker. Stanford's Tara Vanderveer now holds the record for most coaching wins in NCAA basketball history, men's or women's. A. Martinez talks with uh, Ben Pickerman of The the Athletic coming up in just about 15 minutes right here on NCPR. Then stick around after that for the Marketplace Morning Report coming up between 8.51 and 9 o'clock or we'll get caught up on all the morning's business news.
0: And that's Vince Garaldi, uh, and the Charlie Brown Christmas skating from that album. Thanks for listening. I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandresky. Be well.